Hello and welcome to the Grace Avenue Church Podcast. As you listen to this message, I pray that you're built up, encouraged through God's Word, and I pray that His Holy Spirit leads you and guides you in the way that you should go. I pray that He gives you answers for your questions, healing and help for your life. Most importantly, I pray that this Word helps you to become more like Jesus and a greater influence for Him in our church and in your world. Now, let's grow together. Enjoy the message. All right, good morning. How you doing so far? All right, have you prayed for your team to win yet this morning? If not, let's just do a mass prayer. Father, I thank you right now that whoever their team is, they are going to win and win big today. In Jesus' name, amen. I saw some of y'all just get caught up in the Holy Ghost. You haven't shivered or shook the whole time. I just started praying for your team. You were like, thank you, Jesus. Today is going to be exciting because I get a chance to share. Can we just do one thing first, though, because I think that Grace Avenue has the most amazing pastors on earth. Will you just shout out your pastors, Pastor Daniel, Pastor? Come on now. So I'm talking about. Thank you. This is the most important piece of this day because now that I'm bald, I realize how much I sweat. And when I wear those hats, guys, it's like a bucket of water. I get baptized every week. When I take the hat off, it just whoosh, get baptized in the Holy Ghost all over again. So they make sure I got this towel. I want to talk about something um, that's going to be pretty pivotal this morning. I want to talk about the idea that if we're a church that's moving forward, then we have to be a church that has a particular sound. There is a sound that's sitting in your future that you're going to access in the reality of where you're sitting. And to prove it, I can tell you the sound is absolutely vital and sound is absolutely important. Uh, I don't know about any other guys in here, but if you've ever had to babysit or watch kids, you are probably like the Kevin Hart joke. <laughs> Ladies actually watch kids. Men listen for things that sound vital. <laughs> Ladies, you, you know, if, 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 if one of the kids are over and my wife and I are watching the kid, uh, Quinetta, she really watches this baby. Like wherever this baby goes, she has eyes on it. When it's my turn, I just listen for dangerous sounding things. Did that sound like it's broken? Does the kid sound like it's broken? Will the kid leave with all of his teeth or will it have a gap like me now? I listen for things because sound is absolutely vital to the life that we live. How do we know it? Because the Bible says, faith cometh by hearing. That means there has to be a sound if I'm going to increase my faith. Many of us assume that we can increase our faith by not hearing sound. Or I'll just be quiet. I can be mute about this thing. But the Bible says, faith cometh by hearing. Hearing the actual word. Sound is a real thing. I would begin to pray that I pray that our life and faith would become like a bunch of loudspeakers. That we'd find ourselves walking through the world of loudspeakers. And on each side of our walk, we'd find holy and holy and holy and hallelujah and mercy and mercy and grace. And we're walking. Sometimes I like to think that the valley of the shadow of death is not really a shadow of death. Sometimes it's just the loudspeakers of life. You're walking through those moments and you can hear your past yelling at you. You can hear your reality confronting you, but you got to have your ear fine-tuned to heaven so you can hear the future pulling you forward. The Bible says that Jesus stayed on the cross because it was for the joy that was set before him. That means that Jesus heard something in the future that pulled him forward that said this moment is worth it. 
How do you decide to stay in the place that you're in? It is because you become attached to a sound that's sitting in your future, though you're sitting right here right now. How do I know? Because somebody can text you from over there and it reaches you now. They text you actually from your future, but you got it in your reality. When someone texts you, even in real time, they did it seconds before you saw it, but the message was already coming to you. They reach you from your future, setting your reality, and communicated what you needed to be. Don't forget you're bringing the mashed potatoes this time. <laughs> Today is what they call National Back to Church Sunday. All across, yeah, all across America. National back to church. That means we're joining forces with everybody. That's right. Your cousin who you don't think really goes to church, they went back to church today. You've been talking about them all summer. They can go to church, but they can't barbecue worth anything. That's okay. God can work with them. Today is also National Treat Your Wife Good Day. Oh, that's the one that gets the praise. Okay, got it. Don't worry, fellas. I got us coming right down the pike from the future. Today is also National Cheeseburger Day. All right, okay, okay, okay. All right, my bad to the, to the vegans out here. But today is our day, baby. We're getting cheeseburgers. It's important because days like this help to recenter us after what's been a wild three years. What's been a crazy two years. For some of us, what's been a very telling summer. So we need days of somebody inviting us back to a place of love, back to a place of safety, back to a place of community, back to a place of fellowship, back to a place to remind us what God said about us when life was trying to get loud all about us. Somebody invited us back and invited us into this moment so we can begin to start building the recipe of a mature believer. Pastor Daniel's been preaching about what a mature believer looks like. We've been talking about the idea that it, it requires prayer. That's your dialogue with the Lord. And in your prayer time, you want to pray and then listen. You want to pray and then listen. Here's what I'm going to say and here's what you're saying. I'm going to talk and then I'm going to give you some space to talk. It also requires a little bit of fasting. Some of us have been led into a season of fast. I am going to have to put this thing down for a season and take that time and intentionally focus on the Lord. And another aspect of our recipe for growing as a believer is our worship. Everybody say worship. I think we may have done ourselves a disservice. I think in the Western world, it can become easy to think that worship is all about the setup songs before the preaching. Oh, yeah, that's the warm-up act. You know, that's where you go to the gym and you spend that five minutes stretching before you really get into your workout. That's what worship is. I can come late because it really doesn't matter. You know, they're just kind of warming it up. I just go for the word. And what you're missing is you're missing out on the opportunity of your internship for what you'll be doing in heaven. Because there will be no preaching in heaven. Guys like me and Pastor Daniel, we are going to come back and just become worshipers. There is a job for worshipers because the cool thing about worship is worship comes from two words. It is worth and ship. It is worth. It's, this is the value. And there is ship, which means I'm putting it on the shoulders of something that's mobile. So every time I participate or I become a worshiper, I'm saying, God, this is not about me. This is about sharing back to you what your value is to me. Who in here believes that God is valuable? The thing about it is that worship gets us an opportunity to take the value and put it on something mobile. The ship is a mobile thing. 
That's why your voice is so, uh, is so good. You know, how many times have you been in? I, I have a Google in my home. I had a, a Alexa, but I just didn't feel like she was keeping up. And I got Google. Google to me is a little more sassy, okay? I can say, hey, Google, what's the weather? And my Google is just like it was the same it was two minutes ago. And I'm like, I know you're not supposed to be talking to me like that. I need to write somebody. There are many things inside of our home that are now voice activated. There are many promises inside of the word for your life that are voice activated. But you have to participate with the thing where it's voice activated. That's why it's important for you in worship to begin to start heaping value. But the reason why we often don't heap value on the Lord is because we come into atmospheres and we start evaluating ourselves. We devalue us thinking that we're adding value to him. So we say, uh, you know, I, I, I can't participate I can't actually sing because I sinned. Do you know that heaven's not keeping score if you sinned, if that determines if you should worship? God is just saying, can, can you imagine that your kid drawing you a picture and, and them handing you that picture and you look at that kid said, ha, I really wish you'd painted it blue. Really wish you, and to all the kids in here, can we stop painting people blue? <laughs> I get so many, Pastor Courtney, this is you. I'm like, great, why am I blue? That's how I see you. You're just blue. All right, then. Or maybe we should be like the kids. Be willing to take a chance on looking at something that's reality, but painting it what we actually see is our greatest value. When you think about this idea of coming back to church, I think about the idea of what the, what the first church sounded like. Acts 2 and 6, let's go to this scripture. It says, when the people of the city, everybody say the city. Oh, say it like you really mean it. Say the city. Say it like you're going to spit on the person before you. Say the city. Okay, there we go. We got some preachers in the building today. There you go. I apologize. Somebody's like, what in the world? Got all on my neck. When the people of the city heard the roaring sound, crowds came running to where it was coming from, stunned over what was happening because each one could hear the disciples speaking in his or her own language. Can, have you ever been someplace and you heard a loud noise? Now, some of us hear a loud noise and we run to it. Some of us hear a loud noise, we run away from it, okay? But they, they said that there was a roar and the people in the city said, what's happening over here? That means that lets me know that there's a sound in worship that can come from this house that when we begin to make it all together because we've come together on Back to Church Sunday, that the city around us, people that are driving by, will begin to say, Pause, something's happening over here. Pause, someone got healed over here. Pause, there's peace over here. Pause, there's favor over here. Pause, I need to be over here. When the people of San Antonio heard the roaring sound coming from Grace Avenue, Crowds came running to where it was coming from, stunned over what was happening because each one, each person, each person from San Antonio, each person from San Marcos, each person from New Braunfels, each person from Seguin, each person from Cibolo could hear something and said, I need to be in the house of the Lord. The cool thing is it said, and when they arrived, they heard people speaking their own language. Sometimes... Our own language is not just the sound of heaven, it's the sound of our testimony. For we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. May your worship equip you to be confident.
to begin to share your testimony because you've been sitting on the real truth of your testimony, but somebody walking through those doors needs to identify with where you were. They need to know that I, there was a worse version of me, but the worst version has turned into a worshiper. The warrior has turned into a worshiper. High speaker, your testimony actually matters. I don't want anybody to know I had anger issues. Somebody needs to hear it. I don't really want anybody to know that I was a mess. Somebody needs to hear it. I don't really want anybody to know what I did in college. Someone needs to hear it. I don't really want somebody to want them to know how I paid my bills for years. Somebody needs to hear it. Because when they walk into the presence of the Lord, they need to identify with a language. And that language is actually inside of you. I believe when they heard a sound and they said it sounded familiar, that familiarity it's because of the tone. Uh, we, we, we live in America where you can say one word all across America and it means different things in different places. I have friends that live in Memphis. And in San Antonio, we say, hey, man. In Memphis, they say, hey, man. It's the same thing, but it's a little bit different. You, you agree with that? Uh, uh, I have friends that live in other parts of the country, and I grew up in Virginia, and I'll say, oh, yeah, that's near Washington, D.C. I got friends from the Midwest that'll say Washington, and I'm like, there's never been an R. There's never going to be an R. I don't know why you put that R there. <laughs> because language is a locator. When you hear someone talk, you can tell where they've been and where they came from. That's why I think it's vital for us to listen to how people sound. When you hear language, language is a locator. I can listen to you and tell, are you from Cali? Are you from the East Coast? Are you from the West Coast? Are you from this country? Are you from another country? Did you grow up around the corner? Did you grow up a, a hundred miles away? Because language is a locator. That's why for me, when I'm going through something, I listen for the right language. I need to hear the language of people that have been in worship. I need to hear the language of people that have been with God. I don't need to remind myself of how bad a situation is. I need to remind myself of how big God is. And that's the language that I want to use. I need to use the language of a bigger God. Hey, Courtney, it's overwhelming, but God is so much bigger. Hey, Courtney, it's getting crazy, but God is so much bigger. Hey, Courtney, it's overwhelming, but God is so much bigger. Why? Because I spend my time learning a language that's bigger than my life. Pastor Courtney, I, I, I don't really feel like all that worshiping, but, but I realize it's not about me because worship before it's a song, it's actually a surrender. So when I lift my hands, I'm actually surrendering to a moment that I actually don't feel, but I know that worship is not about my feeling. It's based upon my faith. So I'm choosing to lift my hands in faith because I realize that God is going to do something with this gesture more than I can do with what I feel because my feeling says hold it in, but God says give it to me. Psalm 101 Reminds me of being at a Spurs game. It says, lift up a great shout of joy to Yahweh. Go ahead, do it. Everyone, everywhere. And I love that right there because normally we read by that scripture and we, we, we ponder on it as good believers. We say, lift up a great shout of joy to Yahweh. Go ahead and do it. Everyone, everywhere. That's so good. Hey, can I get a latte real quick? <laughs> I don't know about you. But if I went over to kids' church and said, everybody shout, those babies would start just yelling random things. They would just, Coco Melon! I'm like, that has nothing to do with Jesus. 
Parents like, you try keeping them quiet. Yes, it does. <laughs> Y'all like, that thing is a peacemaker. <laughs> when the Bible says shout, the tension is, is that we've often learned how to shout when we're provoked. Not shout because there's a promise. And not shout because there's a principle. So for many times, people only hear the loudest portion of our language when we're angry or when we're excited, not when we're surrendered. And there has to be a moment in your life, man of God, when you decide that you have to get your family together and you have to say, as for me and my house, why is daddy talking so loud? Because he's activating something that's voice activated. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And I'm saying this out loud for everything that tries to come against my life or my family or my church or my mind, that we will what? Serve the Lord. Have you ever noticed Ryan, you led some good worship today too, man. That was, thank you so much. That was so good. You snatched me out of a place, you and the team. Uh, Ryan, ha have you ever noticed that when the enemy talks to you, he sounds a lot like your voice? Have you ever noticed that, guys? That when the enemy tries to bring in doubt, he doesn't use anybody else's voice. He creeps in and does the best imitation of you that he can possibly do, and he says, it's not going to work. He, he, he's never come to me in like, you know, the, the voice of LeBron James and said, it's not going to work. <laughs> He's never come to me in the voice of Denzel, like, okay, okay, uh-huh, it's not going to work. You hear me? He's never done that. I would be able to say, ah, Spirit Denzel, get out of here. Okay, okay, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> he comes to me and he mimics my voice. Because the enemy does a good job of trying to mimic the voice that's an influencer in your life. And so he only comes in to imitate, but he can actually never try to actually be the thing that it is in the authority. So he comes in my life and he tries to stir up things that are opposite of what God said about me using my voice. So the reason why it's important for me to hear my own voice saying back the promises and worship to the Lord is because I have to overthrow the voice that tried to stand up against me. Because many times what happens is this, the enemy will say something and we'll just try to battle him silently. But you have to lift up your voice. You have to lift up your voice and shout it out. The Bible says shout so many times, not because he's trying to get you excited. He's trying to get you in authority. That authority, that authority, that authority is yours. Tell the person beside you that authority is yours. Tell the person on the other side the authority is yours. And just because they may need it, when you tell a third person, you look so good today, you look great today, you look really good, you look great today, who would have sunk it? I, I, I didn't even expect you were going to look like this today, but you look good. <laughs> the Bible says that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a what? Sound mind. Say it with me. Of power, of love, and sound. Everybody say it go. Of power, of love, and sound. One more time. Go. Of power, of love. If that's true, then that means that my mind has a soundtrack that it plays over and over again. If my mind has a sound, then I have to activate something that overthrows the soundtrack of my mind. <laughs> 
For some of us, the soundtrack of our mind are things that were said to us as kids over and over and over and over until you can't turn the record player off. For some of us, it's failures that you've encountered that you play over and over and over and over. But we have to be willing to look at that moment and say, how do I overthrow the soundtrack of my mind? I have to activate some worship. I have to let my mind know that we are submitted and surrendered to something and someone that is greater than us because I am on this earth to magnify Jesus. Uh, let's turn the corner for a second, because in turning the corner, I think about this idea. I was watching something on, on TV, and I thought about the Bible says that when, when the people were, were worshiping, they heard a loud roaring sound. And when I think about a roar, I can't help but think about a lion. And I've been on many mission trips, and I've always avoided the safari part. Why? Because I don't run fast. And I'm big. I'm going down first. I always end up on mission trips with skinny people. I think they do that on purpose. They're like, take the big guy. If something happens, they'll get him first. The devil is a lie. So I don't even go to look at the lions. I watch the lions on my phone or National Geographic or in the zoo. All right? Or the Detroit ones, okay? When a lion roars, that roar can be heard for 4.97 miles. When a church roars, I believe that roar can be heard for 4.97 miles. When a church worships, I believe that can be heard for 4.97 miles. And the thing about it is when you lift up your voice for the next 4.97 miles. Now that lets me know that's enough to get me downtown. But there's something greater at stake. That's enough to get me to the airport. That means that I can now send this worship. I can send this roar because you came to church, but you actually, you are the church. So now that you've come here and been a part of a roar, you get to take a roar home. Do you know what's going to uh, happen when you walk inside of your home today and you're just like, ah, first off, don't do that. You're going to look weird. They're like, what church did you go to? Mama's different. She came back roaring. The roar happens for a lion when several messages are put together and it's released. For you, it's not just a one-time deal. It's when your hallelujah matches your thank you, Jesus. And your thank you, Jesus, matches your God is good. And your God is good matches your, I'm just so glad that you changed me, God. And that roar begins to happen. Let's talk about this thing a little bit more because I want you to see this. For a lion, a lion's greatest strength is that it hangs out in a pack or a tribe or a church. Welcome to Back to Church Sunday. When a lion hangs out, that means that you can't do this life by yourself. you got to get around somebody else that can help to push your roar because the strength of you is when you're hanging around people that are just like you. This is why this is so important because when you're doing life with a lion, if one lion gets tired, another one can take over. Have you ever lost your roar? Have you ever lost your roar? Have you ever given your roar away? Who in here, you, there's somebody here, you were excited about the Lord when you first met him and you first gave your life, but somewhere along the way, life stole the roar from you. You have to get around somebody else that can help you to locate and find your roar. That's called being around a tribe, and that's why groups are so important. You got to join a connect group here so that way you can get around some people and help you roar. Lions are not stronger than tigers. I didn't know that. Tigers are actually stronger. A lion's strength, though, is found that they're a part of the, what we call two or more. 
when two or more gather. I think the Bible talks about guys named Paul and Silas. They were locked in jail. And all of a sudden, while they were in an area that seemed like they had no answer, they began to worship together. And in the midst of them worshiping together, they shifted the atmosphere, and the chains came off, the doors of the prison flung open, and people that never heard about Christ were able to hear about Christ. Because they united their roar with somebody else and said, Chris, if I worship, and if you worship, and we worship together, things will change. It said, if I worship... And you worship. John, if we get together, we can change some things. Jess, if we get together, if you're doing the lyrics back there and you know that I need the lyrics, you're leading worship back there and I'm leading worship up here, we can shift some things. But you're also saying, if I'm sitting out in these pews and you're standing up there and I'm worshiping and you're worshiping, we can create an atmosphere that changes everything. The roar or your worship actually does something very unique. It actually introduces heaven to earth. When you're worshiping, heaven and earth become a real thin place. And heaven begins to hover over earth. And earth begins to hover under heaven. And what you're doing is you're activating heaven's reality into your reality. So when you're singing songs that says, rain comes. You're acknowledging that the rain may come, but my God is raining over everything on this earth because I know how it feels, but I know who God is. I was um, one time on another mission trip, and we were coming back home from this mission trip, and we had just got finished worshiping, and uh, we were coming through TSA. Shout out TSA. Um, I, I try to stay friends with TSA as much as I can because they can make your life happy or miserable, okay? Uh, and, and I was there, and, and, and I, I thought I was moving in the right direction, but this lady who was working TSA, she yelled at me while I was in Dominican Republic, and she said, uh, mira, aquí o allá? I, I, I said, is she yelling at me? And she looked at me again, mira. And, and I, I, you know, I'm, I'm big now. I'm, I'm, I'm 300 and none of your business. And, 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 and I became four all over again because I was, is she yelling at me? And she came up to me and she said, and I, I, I said, I, I, I don't know what she's saying. Somebody said, there, here or there, here or there. And, I, and what she was asking me was, which line are you in? Are you in the line to stay here or are you in the line to go there? And I began to think about that thing when it came to my worship and when it came to the life that I live. Am I in line for the future to be here or am I in line for the future to be there? I have to decide, Courtney, what is your worship going to look like? What is your recipe for the future going to look like? Is it going to look like you're standing in line here or are you positioned for the future? Can you help and say we're going to navigate this thing to the future? My worship is going to the future. I'm here to fellowship for the future. I love ideas like that because when I think about that with my worship, that lets me know that the same God who is in my past, present, and my future that I'm worshiping, in my worship, he's cool enough to go to my past and fix my traumas. He's great enough to stand in my now and fix me, but he's perfect enough to go to my future and set it all up because Jesus said, I go to prepare a place, and that place is actually going to be prepared for you. I've already prayed, dear Lord, put a Chipotle in my mansion. 
you know, you know the desire of my heart. Oh, a free birds. There you go, man. Free birds. We because we kind of switched up on Chipotle because I'm big and y'all don't give me enough food. <laughs> my worship is not just for me in this moment. When I stand in the point of worship, the very first point that time that, that worship is mentioned is actually with the father-son scenario. Uh, the, 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 there's a guy named uh, Abraham, and he's going. He just had this son that he's really excited about. Uh, and, and he's excited about this kid because this kid is everything he's prayed for, everything he's dreamed of. He has a hope in the future. He wants to give it all to this kid. And one day the Lord says, hey, wake up and sacrifice your kid. Give him back to me. And Abraham, who's a man of faith and promise, says, this doesn't make sense. I do not understand it, but I trust you because you told me to sacrifice him, so I would go. And it said, he grabbed one of his servants, and him and the, him and the boy went on. He told the servant, he said, when they got to the place where he knew he was going to go, he said, stay here. The boy and I are going up there to worship. Now, there's no instrument. There was no band. There was no microphones. There was no cool LED wall. There were no lyrics, but he said, stay here. The boy and I are going up there to worship. He and the boy, they go up there, and the son asked him at one point, he said, uh, hey, dad, where's the sacrifice? Because he knew they were going to sacrifice. He didn't really give him an answer that was, you know, much of anything, but I can imagine he looked at him thinking in his mind, boy, you it. <laughs> they get up to the top. I believe that the young man, Isaac was old enough to run away, but the father convinced him to have faith and say, lay on this altar, God will provide. I think for some of us, what I found that I've had to do, and I hope this helps you, is I've had to take sometimes my personality and my preference and lay it on the altar and know that God will provide. I've had to learn how to bring God's value into moments of void knowing that God will provide because my personality and my preference are on the altar. I'm pushing you today to become worshipers, not so that way you can create excitement, but so that way you can walk in authority. And so all of a sudden that father holds that knife in the air, and right when he's about to bring it down, the Lord says, Pause, I have something in the thicket for you. Sacrifice that and not your son. I can imagine that when him and the young boy were coming back down the mountain, if it were me, it would have been a quiet conversation. <laughs> Halfway through, I probably would have looked at him and said, hey, don't tell your mom. <laughs> don't tell her. This is you and I, man. God did a thing. <laughs> at some point, he had to reach that servant again. And I'm sure that servant probably said something close to, how was the worship? Because the first time that worship is mentioned, instead of a song, it actually means an act of obedience. The Bible commands us to worship. It doesn't suggest us to be worshipers. Because the very thing that it's talking about in this moment was that father didn't have a feeling like he wanted to sacrifice a son. He said, I'm going to be obedient to the faith that stirred up within me. He said, I know this moment looks like it's out of control, but I believe that God will actually move me into what's next. I think sometimes the thing that keeps me from being 
a worshiper and trusting that God is using my worship in spite of how I feel. It's me being willing to lay the younger me on that altar. The version of you that experienced the trauma, could, 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 you, could you lay them on the altar? The version of you that's triggered, can you lay them on the altar? The person, the version of you that has the stuff and the issues, can you lay them on the altar? And just when you feel like you need to rescue yourself from that altar, God provides with his presence. We have three minutes left. I want to challenge you for a quick second. I've said a lot about worship. I've talked about lions, tigers, and bears. Maybe you've been uncomfortable in activating worship privately or publicly. Maybe you've probably been like me and you've relegated worship to your personality in some moments. Maybe you've been like others and you said, I don't really do all that. Yeah, you do. I saw you at the Spurs Arena. You do it. I saw you when the McRib came back. You did it. I saw you when you got the first tortilla. You do it. I saw you on social media. You do it. The difference is, is that we choose when we're going to do it as opposed to offer when we're going to do it. Choose means maybe so, maybe not. Offer means in spite of this is my surrender. So when the song says rain comes, can you put that lyric up there? I'd love to see that, that lyric to the bridge. That was, that was such an incredible lyric that they sang. And so when you say something and it says rain came when blue my house was spilled on you. Pastor Courtney, why would I lift my hands in a moment like that? Well, one, because I'm singing to a God that's bigger than me. But what happens when I lift my hands? I grew up in church, and I grew up in the, in the old church. They would say, if you were in a place of being robbed, the first thing they'd say is, stick them up. For the old people and for all of us that are like 40 and over. I don't know if they say stick them up anymore. But if you're ever 40 and older, somebody, you, we just put our hands in stick them up. <laughs> we, they say stick them up to show me that I have no resistance. <laughs> I have no resistance. I offer no resistance. My hands are up to show you I also have no weapons against you. My hands are up to show that even if I have a weapon on me, I have no weapon with me on this moment. So you may come in and say, God, I have issues with you, but I lift my hands to show you that my hands are weapon free. That my hands have no resistance. Uh, 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 and also back in the old church, they, they would say, when you lift your hands to God, they can say God, to God. It's like an antenna to heaven. And the higher you go, the clearer the radio station. It's funny, but it's true. It's funny, but it's true. For some of us, we're lifting our hands because we say, I offer no resistance. 
For others, we're lifting our hands and saying, let's get the signal as clear as possible. And for some, we keep our hands low because we say, I'm just not perfect yet, Pastor. I'm not gifted yet. I got shame. I got stuff. And God, who's a good father, is looking at you saying, I'm not keeping score the way you're keeping score. Will you fight beyond the attack of the enemy? And will you begin to get into the authority of who you really are and lift your hand because you're a son and daughter? I didn't check to see if you were a good son or daughter. I said you're a son and a daughter. He said, will you lift your hands up and will you lift your hands to glory? And will you sing it? Will you sing with everything you have? Come on, stand on your feet with us. We're going to practice this thing. I want you to push on it. I want you to worship Jesus. Do me a favor. Somebody lift a hand. Get that antenna going. Go past the resistance. Go into the weapon. No weapon form shall prosper. You sing it. Well, I pray that that word blessed you. If you'd like to know more about Grace Avenue Church or want to know more about how to be a part of what God has called us to here in the city of San Antonio, or if you'd like to sow financially into our vision and mission, please visit us online at graceavenuechurch.com. Thanks so much for listening. We hope to see you soon.